Ears On, Off Makile. Directed and produced by Mele Yamomo and Nono Pardales. Most of my sensorial experiences in my adulthood are calibrated in reference to how I experience life in Makiling. When the strong North Holland winds blast against me while biking, I find myself back on the slope of the mountain with the monsoon wind blowing against my face. The sound and smell of the first summer rain in Germany transport me back to my residential cottage in the mountain. Makiling, in this sense, is a compass for me. My name is Mile Yamomo. I studied theater and music composition at the Philippine High School for the Arts in Mount Makiling. I asked the help of a friend whom I've known for almost 25 years in creating this piece. Some of my most cherished life memories were spent with him when, as teenagers, we lived together in a boarding school up in the mountain. I'm Nono Pardalis. I am a writer and video editor. I studied creative writing in Makiling, spent my college in a university at the foot of Mount Makiling, and now I live in Calamba City, which is also located at the foot of that same mountain. And uh, together with Mele, uh, we spoke to former classmates and artist friends. And uh, here they are. I am Dennis Guba, and I am a theater director. I first visited Mount Makiling when I was a high school student in the early 90s. I was stunned by the fecundity of the nature. You know, I grew up in Manila, which was a bustling and crowded city. But when I first saw the University of the Philippines in Los Baños, which is located at the foot of Mount Makiling, my imagination of time and space suddenly expanded. After a decade, I went back as an assistant professor at the UPLB's Humanities Department. I'm Datu Arellano, a transdisciplinary artist. I graduated from Makiling in 1998. Major in Visual Arts. I am Donna Sherdela Cruz. I am a lawyer by profession. I am a graduate of the Philippine High School for the Arts in 1997 and I majored in music piano. I'm Colleen Moreno Hewa. I'm a British Filipino soprano from Manila, Makati, Philippines, and I now live in London, England. For this piece, I went back to Makiling to try and capture its sounds. Uh, you will also hear uh, one of my poems. Well, it's in Filipino, but we've uh, recorded an English uh, translation. Sort of. It's a rough translation of the poem. So the name of the dog is Kiki. Kiki in the current language is cute. 
Kiki is a German Shepherd. I don't know if, if you can hear in, in his barking that it's not a, a bark of aggression, more of, you know, expressing himself as a dog. That's, that's how I, I, I hear Kiki. Anyway, so I am Reagan. Um, I live in Melbourne. I, I came here in 2011. I took up a PhD. My specialization is in theater and performance studies. But before that, I was teaching in the University of the Philippines, Los Baños. And I was living on one of the slopes of Mount Makiling. Uh, now you can hear the dog again barking, so... <laughs> in this piece, you'll hear me asking questions now and then. But mostly, I will be behind the microphone, on the sound control board, or composing. There's a story of how Mariang Makiling, the maiden of the mountain, captures the heart of young men and seduces them to live in the mountain with her. And those young, educated men from Manila or even America who got their degrees, who taught there and established the university, as you know, it was established by Copeland. And he came there as a young man and he rerouted himself and established UP Los Baños. I thought that was also the history that happened to me. I was seduced and I was lost. Being lost is the most beautiful thing that could happen to you in Los Baños because there's a certain initiation, all right? You're being initiated to a new imaginaries and life. Many young men in UP Los Baños uh, decided to get married and establish their families there. But, you know, I left as a single man in 2015, but I gave birth to many theatrical productions that I never thought I would be able to create. Thanks to Mariang Makili. Questions. Dumadaus-dos ang mga tanong sa paanan mo. At your foot. Naghintay ko. Pikit matas. Walang saplot. Walang sagot. How did Makiling shape your experiencing of the world? Growing up in Makiling, I remember every single day I made sure that I, I woke up at five in the morning and I'm one of those really, really early people to walk to school from the dorms, eat by myself, because um, that quiet actually influenced how I go about with my life. The birds, the birds in the morning. You wake up in the morning hearing the kindness of birds as what Merlinda Bobbitt would describe. That is when I would create ideas, get inspired. The chirping of insects. The crickets. The sound of the crickets would actually mark that I have to rest and stop working because it was so loud and harmonious that you just allow yourself to be part of that musicality. The wind. The sound of rain is just so calming. Sound of silence in the breeze or the, the leaves rustling, which is sort of, let's just say, soothing to you physically. The sound that stuck with me was the sound of the music room. Imagine all music majors 
one room beside another one and there's around 20 of us playing so all that sound it's actually a cacophony already but you have to make sense of it and find the sound that you're making Sari-saring dahon sa hangin. What's that here? Para sunuin ako at isayaw sa ibabaw What's ng lupang The geckos. Ang lakas ng kanyang sound. It's deep, deep baritone. I think Makiling also taught me impermanence and to accept impermanence uh, with integrity. The sound of the toko, you only hear the sound in one particular period, temporality. And then you have to be present and engage with the baritoneness of that sound. And if you don't, you forget that desire of the toko to communicate to you. And if you treat that sound and the presence of that toko, then I don't think that you are experiencing your full human being because you're forgetting other sound, other entities, you know. And the impermanence of that is present. But then again, the other night, that toko is still there. So there's also the enduring sound. It will happen at one particular time. So you have to be there because it will be gone anytime soon. But that's okay. The following night, you will be uh, visited again. Or not even visited because it's a member of that house. I think that we have forgotten that the Toko is also a member of that family. As you know, Mount Makiling is a sleeping and dormant volcano. And underneath this wonderful uh, geography, there's a lot of movement as well. A lot of magmatic kind of, of movement, you know. Uh, we don't hear. But if we become meditative, you know, I will just imagine that the ground is moving beneath my feet. Um, I imagine that movement, but it's sound. Physically, it's a sound. It can be sensed and perceived as a sound. My mind is constantly making sound. Was it you? At hindi ako ang humubog ng mukha sa batong di matibag-tibag sa iyo ba at hindi aking mukha I often find myself reminiscing about that particular sound in There's city life that constant hum in my head I am practicing mindfulness that I become more sensitive to the sounds of the place. Not just because I want to know what sound it is, but how the sound is responding to my silence. And also how I respond to those sounds and the way that kind of relationship between the outer and the inner becomes one organism. 
or an organism living in a physical world where there are sounds. Was that you? Ang marahang hinihila ng mga kuliling sa umaga ang humahabi ng mga tunog sa maulang gabi. Most of my best ideas come about because of silence. That gives you time to just regroup your, your, own, your own, let's say, fatigue, your own stress. All of these questions rush in, mixed feelings, uh, all sorts of ideas. So all of these things are colliding with each other. And that's the moment when I say, oh, I have to, to do something. I have to process all of these things. When you hear many different kinds of sounds and you have to make sense of it and still find your way through. Where am I going? What am I going to do today? That combination of order and chaos is something that, you know, drives you as, as an artist. I think that goes the same for what I do now. It's standing between chaos and order and trying to make sense of, of how to survive and how to go through it. In my practice, I think one can really see that, the two, two opposing forces of chaos and order. So nature and human politics and uh, the desire to find a space in between, the desire to find balance. You know, in the language of my father, Warai, we have the word pamati, to listen. To listen means you understand your emotion and the emotion of the one speaking. I found that in Makiling. I thought that Makiling was always in the state of pamati, the listening state. Because while the, the mountain is listening to me, I also feel the emotion of the mountain. It doesn't have any judgment. And that emotion liberates me. It allows me to be part of that emotion. It respects also my emotion. I don't feel imprisoned when I am in Makiling because again, the kind of openness of the listening mountain is so present. Nakikinig ka. Alam ko. You've been listening. Sa bawat hinga at buntong hininga, sa bawat kabog at tibok ng mapusok na kamuslusan. When I said listening mountain, meaning there's the quietness, the solitariness, but also the living sound, the sound of the birds, the sound of the brooks. The flat rock, you have the flat rock, right? There's water there. You just go there and just listen to the sound of the environment. And I, I, I feel healed and cleansed because I feel the emotion of Mount Makiling. Nakikinig ka, alam namin. You've been listening. Nakainom ang aming mga lihim sa iyong patingwits. planted in your silence. We also find the same struggle between order and chaos with our own relationship because of the differences in uh, the practice. 
he's the artist, I'm the lawyer. Not that he's chaotic, but he, he's more of the free-spirited one uh, engaged in the arts. In, meaning, the rules don't necessarily apply black and white. And I'm the one who's who's in the part that has everything down pat to black and white. So, there's a struggle there in terms of how we decide on things. In my practice, that process is very crucial. It's very important. Moments of silences so that my head has the opportunity to be noisy and then I have that chance to process all of that data, all of that noise, all of that sound. I think makiling comes in in the sense that we are grounded by our collective experience. So at the base of it all, we understand that we have a commonality and um, there are principles, grounding principles that we agree with, although our processes are different. So Mount Makiling definitely has this kind of pamati quality, uh, listening while being cognizant to one's emotion. It is a very empathetic listening. And so when you're empathetic and listening, you you find liberation. You know, assertion is no longer valuable. What is important is now the connection and the relationality that would arise out of that empathic listening. But healing is very, very important to me as a place um, and also as a part of my life where I had my grounding. When I say my grounding, it really did expose me to a lot of um, different facets of life, how to be independent, to learn about other art forms, and also to embrace, you know, being in this beautiful place wherein you, you're allowed space to think, space to grow. You've been listening. I know. What I do now is not in the arts. My profession now is law. But the the discipline, the training, the techniques that I learned in makiling while learning the art that I majored in are still helpful in the profession that I do now. I am a freelance opera singer. singing I canto. Um, I'm also a conductor and I also teach um, singing and piano.
Metropolises, especially cities, with layers upon layers of colonial histories, are replete with institutional conventions on and expectations for its citizens' compliance with urban choreographies and social compositions. How did Makiling emancipate you from these implicit social play scripts? Makiling actually, I think, helped in me learning how to focus, how to actually listen to what's, um, what's going on around me and having that, let's say, that quiet, especially at night when you just hear the crickets. Finding your own identity as well, asking your questions. A lot of the process and the training that we went through in Makiling was to create something that is true to ourselves. We had that freedom in that space to create something that was true to ourselves and we wanted to keep that. I play music visually. It's important for me to see parang an interface. And then that interface will inform me how I should play the music. The process of how you go through all the chaos does not necessarily mean that you lose your way through it. And I think it's an art in itself to be able to survive and come up with an output. People who are also interested with theater, like the scientists, it allowed me to experiment with theater, for example, inside the kitchen. No? Uh, we did a performance in collaboration with the nutritionist, and we uh, transformed the, the kitchen and the laboratory as a place of performance with 30 people as audience. We created theater in a burnt chemistry building. The crickets are also part of the cast. And you can't say, no, cricket, don't do that because our actors are now doing their monologue. But their part, you cannot control that. So Amakiling somehow gave me this kind of new visions and bold visions of doing theater that's somehow difficult to uh, exercise in Manila because there's a certain expectation already. And that expectation was established by certain people, institutions, and even your language, because our way of doing theater in Manila is still prominently English. You speak in a way that is sounds like American or European. That's difficult for me because I came from Barangay Pinyan, a small barangay. So I had to find myself, carve my pathway to be able to understand other practices and develop my own practice. The mountain, I think, amplifies itself through its own ways, through how the mountain is physically made of, of the organisms or the lives around that place. But also the silence that, that one may experience being in that place. Currently, I use poetry, I use language, but language is also made up of sound, particularly in poetry. It's how poetry also works with silence in between the words, in between utterances. And when you become more silent, then the world is amplified. 
have this ongoing project named Tahigami. It's a combination of two words, Filipino word for tahe, which means stitch or to stitch, and then gami from origami, Japanese, which means paper. So literally, literally it means stitching on paper. I found a way of creating music using these geometric drawings. After creating that system of creating music using geometry and graph theory, uh, I was able to make uh, electronic instruments. So I've been using those instruments to, to make my music. Makiling was listening to you. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful question. <laughs> that question shifts our relationship with nature. Sometimes uh, we think of them as object and even a subject of our artistic endeavoring. But your your question raptures this concept of equity and equality, or even giving agency. To the nature, yeah. Uh, I have not really thought about that deeper, but I think it is a question that every artist should engage with, because every time you know I looked at the trees and the flowers and even the ocean, they're not. They don't have shame of being them. They are flowers, right? They are process. They, they are uh, identities of themselves. And would it be in, important to learn from them and to listen to them, to understand what kind of other knowledge that could be presented to us by them? And there's also a tendency to make them human, which I think also unfair, because we are imposing our understanding of them as human beings. But to listen to them is to understand them as them, as flowers, not as human. Because they demonstrate the truest meaning of constancy, growth, and evolution. And I think that one should master how to engage with them with humility. Funny enough, it feels like some sort of artistic home. Makiling is a very special place for a human beings, artists, to to be, a, let's say, a full person who's capable of making their own creative judgment, to be unapologetic for their own creative choices. I, I could say that it is a place of imagination. It is a place of collaboration. It is a place where you need to submit yourself and learn to be humble. We are occupying it for our own human endeavor. That sometimes we forget that originally that land was occupied by the Toko. The 
cacophonies of those sounds just gave me the idea that I have to respect my body and I have to respect this world. I am now in tune and I have to be in sync with this and stop thinking of productivity. Minsan kaming tinawag Umalingaw mula noon ng boses Umalingaw nga o sa liblib na bahagi ng aming liblib Sa iba, hindi sa amin Ears on, off, Marquilin. Featuring Datu Ariano, Donacher de la Cruz, Dennis Gupa, Carlene Moreno Hayworth, Regan Maikes, Nono Pardales, Mele Yamomo. Directed and produced by Mele Yamomo and Nono Pardales. Co-produced by Norient and the Gote Institute. I'm Dayang Eraula, a teacher, curator, sound artist, and sound archivist based in Manila. This bonus talk accompanies Time Zone episode from the Philippines that shares the experience of artists of the famed Mount Makiling. I only lived in the foot of Makiling for a year in 2000 as a young teacher at the UPLB. But it was a year of ceaseless wandering and it is an experience that I share with the artists from the podcast. I am Milaya Momo. I'm Nono Pardalis and... Hi, I am Donna. Let's begin by unpacking Makiling as a lived creative space. Hannes and Abhishek, editors and curators of Time Zones podcast series, contacted me in summer of 2021 and asked me to create an episode for this series. The question then was, which city would I like to work on? Would it be Berlin, Amsterdam, or Manila? I was in the middle of the curatorial process of Decolonial Frequencies Festival, and I was thinking about how I wanted to bring together the different cities in Europe and Southeast Asia on the same stage in Berlin. I was having moments of time warps that in the heat of the Berlin summer, I was being transported back to my tropical teenagehood, dreaming of creating music in theater in the middle of the forests of Mount Makiling. I had a Zoom call with Nono, and instead of creating a sound piece about the city, we decided to do a tribute to the mountain. I remember my first day in Makiling during uh, high school. I instantly fell in love with the place. 
staying in Makiling, uh, that was the time I felt that, that someone listened to me. It felt very comforting to know that someone is, you know, is listening to you. And uh, that was also the time that I learned how to listen to myself. Now I live in a town near uh, Makiling, so every single day I see the mountain. I write scripts and stories and different stuff, so my, my head most of the time is, is noisy. But sometimes just staring at the mountain, just a glimpse of Mount Makiling, I feel her, her silence. It's such a comforting feeling. I am from Quezon City, a neighboring city of Manila, and I have lived in the city for most of my life. It is crowded, difficult to reach because of traffic, and magnanimous in sound, at times bordering Luisans. My attachment to the city is largely sentimental, marked by milestones in my personal life. I would say that Makiling is where I grew up for reasons we talked about in the previous podcast. I consider both places to be my home. Home is where I strip the core, where I put my guard down, where I can honestly be myself, which is my ideal creative space. My last visit to Los Baños was in 2018, and there were noticeable changes to the place, from a small provincial town to an urban center. But once I reached the UPLB campus, I was comforted by familiar landmarks and homes that remain unchanged over the years. The same goes for PHSA. Sure, there are changes because of technology, but the structures remain the same. UPLB is the gateway to PHSA. Both are state academic institutions located at Mount Makiling. There is no way to reach PHSA without passing through UPLB. Now, UPLB is a provincial campus of the University of the Philippines. It started as a College of Agriculture, Forestry, and Veterinary Medicine. It is the designated caretaker of Mount Makiling, and the mountain is the university's laboratory and playground. The school is housed at the National Arts Center of the Philippines, which was created by Imelda Marcos in 1976. I remember the day when Mrs. Marcos came to visit PHSA. That was sometime in 1994 when I was a student of Makiling. She arrived wearing a bright pink traditional Filipino dress called a terno and her signature updo. She was surrounded by an entourage of around eight people and walked around the school followed by a man holding an umbrella over her head. Admittedly, she was a sight to behold. She had undeniable presence with a natural ability to draw people close. Her presence was almost mystical and I thought that was perhaps what people felt when drawn to Maria Makiling as told in stories. Mrs. Marcos spoke about how the school had changed and reminisced on what she envisioned it to be. Looking back through a legal lens, I find it interesting that the law creating PHSA mentions the purpose of the school as intended by the Marcoses. Presidential Decree Number 1287, signed by Ferdinand Marcos in 1978, states that PHSA was created to train artists who can contribute toward a just and humane society for the development of a new Philippine society. With this, the Marcoses built art centers dedicated to the pursuit of the good, the true, and the beautiful. When the Marcoses were removed from government, President Corazon Aquino signed an executive order that realigned the objectives of PHSA. Institutionally, 
the PHSA was converted into a regular government school. From a legal standpoint, it is interesting to see how these political factors came into play in projects that transitioned from the Marcos regime to the Aquino administration. From a student point of view, as a PHSA alumnus, it is heartbreaking to see the arts take the back seat because of politics. Thank you for that historical reflection, Donna. Drawing back to Makiling as a place where we make art, Nono, could you share with us, please, your experience in producing the Time Zone podcast? For this project, aside from the poem I wrote, I also did some of the sound recording in Mount Makiling. So I went there um, early morning. So the first visit was uh, was very memorable to me because that morning while I was in the middle of the woods recording, uh, I got a call from my wife and uh, she told me that well, a very close friend of mine just died. After that, I, I just sat there in the middle of the forest. I wasn't able to record. I felt deaf of that moment. After a few minutes, I just decided to call it a day, uh, went back home and <laughs> cried. <laughs> After a week, I went back to Makiling and uh, started recording again. I was able to record that time. I just recorded that morning. Then it started to rain. But I decided to stay in the middle of the forest. I was thinking that I have to capture this moment. I just stood there, took off my, my shirt, and I uh, used it to cover the recording device that I was using and the, the record that moment as the rain started to pour. Fortunately, I was able to record that rain. The, although the rain got really strong, so I had no choice but to run back to the car. So it was a very meditative for me, being one with Makiling at that moment. Thank you for sharing that experience, Nono. Now, I wanted to ask, Mile, you mentioned that a lot of your sensorial experience as an adult is calibrated in reference to life in Makiling. Have you ever done this in reverse? Like, have you had a chance to recalibrate your memories of Makiling in the many new homes where you have lived in the past many years? In many ways, yes. One thing that pops in mind immediately is that sometimes when I am in a theater or opera house in Berlin, I am reminded of Tanghalang Pilipino, the resident theater company of the Cultural Center of the Philippines, whose shows we attended a lot in the 1990s as students of the Philippine High School for the Arts. At the time, there were still remnants and echoes of a global interconnectedness that is less governed by the neoliberal capitalist aesthetics that all of us from Jakarta, Hanoi, Manila, Amsterdam, Berlin, Mexico City, Nairobi, or New York City are across the board now subsumed into. There were still tiny pockets of anti-imperialist and socialist imaginations of a post-colonial Manila, or of a Klafafel's theater translated to Manila's neo-colonial bureaucracies before multinational companies, harnessing these efficiency formula of app-driven companies whose emotional labors are executed by nameless faces in Manila's hack farms or of Brexian post-colonial resoundings of an imminent Faustian futures in Manila's proletariat society through Stravinsky's dystopian music in the basement theater of CCP in the 1990s. These clashings of past, present, future, and of Berlin, Amsterdam, and Manila all haunt me sometimes as I sit in the Comitia Opa in Berlin. I think about past artistic connections 
and what was lost in this post-national virtual capitalism that made the actual affect labor invisible, and what other aesthetic reorderings is ever possible amidst the disappearances of long-standing ecosystems. But I digress. This is something that should probably be a podcast of its own. For me, Makiling is an entity and a feeling. She is a she. I have not thought about her in a very long time. I have not gone back since I left in 2001. Now in my 40s, after extensive traveling in the Asian region, living in different cities for a few months to some years for work, life, and love. To hear about her was an unexpected but a welcomed encounter. The way the artists recalled how they felt about Makiling as their space of art production is something I remember. And like this podcast, No matter how many people are living in this mountain, no matter how many voices are speaking all at the same time, it was her voice that is the loudest. It is a kind of loudness that brings one to a place of silence. In hindsight, this is something I now bring with me anywhere I go. This place of silence, or at least finding a kind of silence when I needed to think, to remember, and to feel. On this note, I thank you for joining us. This has been Dayang Iraola with Mele Iamomo, Nono Pardalis, and Donna Cher de la Cruz for Time Zones Bonus Talk. Time Zones Bonus Talk.